0: Well, welcome back, everybody. We are not in the choir room. We are in the gathering space. Oh, no, we're not. We are in the sanctuary, which is my favorite room in the whole church. And... This is our second week of Art of Marriage, and Shannon has a special little treat for... I'm just kidding. <laughs> he got real nervous. I was going
1: to print them out and hand them out to everybody.
0: I'll tell you a quick story. Can I share the story about Sunday? So Sunday morning, it's like 8 o'clock. I'm sitting in my recliner at home, scanning my iPad, going through the sermon for the last time, and my phone goes bing, and it's a, everybody's probably seen that little newspaper snipping of a how a wife is supposed to be in 1950. She's supposed to be the best cook, and she's supposed to wear pearls when she vacuums or whatever. I don't even know if they had vacuums back then, but... They uh, did have vacuums. Okay, good. And so Shannon says, you should, uh, you should use this for your Wednesday night study. And I said, ha, 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 who is this? And he said, a concerned church member. <laughs> So I knew I wasn't going to get the name out of whoever it was texting me, and I just left it alone, I think. 30 minutes later, I come over to Sunday school, and it's me and Shannon and Sue sitting in the room, and Scott Hegner is the only other person. And I said, hey, whose number is this? And I said the number out loud, and Scott just goes. (laughs) Yep, sold him right out, so we had a good laugh about that, and the laugh was even bigger or better because he gave me that advice when he didn't even, he let his wife come here alone week one. That's right. So that was the biggest laugh of the whole thing. So now he's guilted into coming for week two, and that is good news, right? Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's the case, but anyway, so Art of Marriage week two, we're going to go ahead and show the video and I will pray for us before we start. The theme of this, the theme of this one is, um, there's a word, I think it's debak, uh D-A-B-A-Q, and I'm sure that's a Greek word, maybe a Hebrew word, I don't know, but it means cling together. So we think about the leave and cleave verse, they touch on that in this session uh, when when we leave our parents and we cleave to one another in marriage we're we're uh, stuck together that sounds bad we are willingly stuck together is that better if you add willingly in front of it okay uh, let me pray heavenly father we're grateful that uh, I am grateful that attendance is so high on Thanksgiving night that these couples and these single folks would come together and focus on you on, on a, uh, secular holiday of Valentine's day. That's, that's a cultural thing, but it does represent a good thing. It represents, uh, that we are to love one another in marriage, especially, and our marriage is supposed to be, uh, you are supposed to be at the center of our marriage and we're here in this building tonight, uh, so that we can better focus on that and, That is, uh, this is one of the best places that we could be for our marriage. And uh, I'm just grateful for people's willingness to be here and to grow more in uh, faith in you, especially as it relates to marriage. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hit it!
2: We've been through more difficult times than I ever anticipated when we got married. You know, when you walk down the aisle and everything's perfect and it's it's the, the most wonderful day of your life, you can't imagine that in the future you're going to have hardship, you're going to have
3: struggles and difficulties in your relationship i married an Okinawan, native Hawaiian and Portuguese man, born and raised in Hawaii, and I'm Chinese, born in Wisconsin and raised in Colorado. And you can imagine the collision of differences that we experienced, not to mention money, vacations, the definition of what clean means, our views on discipline, what kind of church to attend, what a good Saturday even looks like. The minute you marry a sinner and start living together,
4: you create problems. I think we generally I mean, even when people write their proposals or sometimes you write pieces of your vows. We wrote a little piece of ours, we had traditional as well, but you know, you tend to think that like that person, you expect that person, you know, they make you a better you. And then you find out that they actually make you a, a worse you. Sometimes. Yeah, There were
5: some parts of me that
4: <laughs> suddenly were yeah. That <laughs> so I didn't know were there true. that came out. It is true that, like, I do think you don't
5: complete me, you subtract from me.
4: (laughs) I think you do make me better. But, you know, that isn't in every moment. In some moments, like, you were actually bringing out the worst in me, and I hate that.
5: Pressures and struggles are a reality, and our culture has experienced some things from a pandemic to racial unrest, political unrest, financial collapse, (laughs) I mean, mental health. I mean, it has been incredibly difficult not to mention uh, parenting is difficult work stress all those things are incredibly difficult and so back in my professional football days there was an old saying is that pressure can either build you up or pressure can burst you like a pipe you know one of the things i didn't
6: realize i was bringing in to our marriage was How do I say it? A bitterness and a broken
1: relationship with my dad that in many ways defined me as a man. You sort of think that's in the past, it's done, it's over. And yet you don't realize, wow, it's it's coming with you. Stuff I thought was buried and gone was just waiting to erupt.
7: It can be abuse that you thought you would never talk about. It can be an abortion that you swore you were gonna to take to your grave. And what marriage does is it takes this giant magnifying glass and puts it over those problems. And it just magnifies them so that they become stronger and more encompassing and they will drag you down and take you out except for now you have someone with you. All of
8: that creates <coughs> tension on your marriage and you
1: got to swim in this ocean together and take care of one another and be attentive to everything going on around you and it's hard. So knowing the ocean in which you're in is about communicating with one another, studying, learning from the people who have swam in that ocean
9: before you. There will be so many things that you never expected and it can be some of the greatest joys. It can also be some of the greatest hurts. But those great hurts, when we um, give that to the Lord, He uses those great hurts and those great joys together um, to mold us even more to be that one flesh.
10: Do you remember when
4: love was new? And I was eager to spend every. I cut out some
0: nonsense.
5: so the idea of like making a commitment or a promise or putting a ring on a finger and saying till death do us part is a very weird foreign kind of concept because hookup culture says like we don't need to really make like a promise to somebody you just need to do what you want to do and then if that doesn't work out no big deal, kind of move on to the next thing. And it's really hard to convince somebody, hey, give up, hookup culture, and subscribe to this idea of being in a covenant relationship when the only models that they're seen of a covenant relationship are stale, boring, apathetic. It's a hard sell. And so I think as believers, man, what does it look like for us? to strive for really healthy, vibrant marriages that reflect the kingdom
11: of God, right?
3: I look back over three plus decades of marriage and I have no idea what our lives would hold when I said, I do. Darren had no idea that he would be navigating my cancer treatments with surgeries and chemotherapy and radiation. And I had no idea that we'd be dealing with his diagnosis of ADHD as an adult. This idea of cleaving to one another, it comes from Genesis chapter 2. It's this image of bone clinging and sticking to flesh. And bones aren't meant to be separated from flesh. Dabak, from the Hebrew, to clean, cleave. Stay close to hold fast. In marriage, it means we stick together through the highs and lows of life. Dabak.
7: Why is it hard? Because we're all selfish. Satan, the God of this world, little G- God of this world, the prince of this era, the scripture calls him, you know, he operates in selfishness. Like he'll receive any selfish act as worship. And so anytime we worship ourselves, anytime we put ourselves first, we're actually, uh, you know, Satan receives glory in that. For so many of us, we've given him a foothold in our lives through our
2: acts of selfishness. The easiest thing is to settle for mediocrity. The easiest thing is to get by with less. The hardest road is to pursue relationship. The hardest road is to pursue understanding. But if you do that, then you're building into your marriage and you will will be better on the other side
3: of that season of hardship that you're in. So when we hear that though, there may be some who are dealing with abuse or adultery or abandonment. And these are situations where one spouse really needs to be held accountable for their actions. If that's you, probably hearing these words of cling and cleave and stick are really uncomfortable for you. And the most loving thing for you to do is to find help and to confront that spouse. And the Bible actually gives a process for temporary separation or even permanent separation. But for the majority of us, God wants us to stick when we are tempted to call it quits. It is better for the couple, it's better for children, it's better for society, when marriage maintains its permanence.
12: This is Chuck, this is Linda, and one night, coming back from their one year anniversary dinner, their car was suddenly struck by a falling object. A 600 pound cow. True story. The couple was driving around a cliff outside of Manson, Washington, when the cow fell over 200 feet onto their minivan. The couple escaped their lives by inches. Chuck said he didn't see the cow falling and didn't know what happened until after. Can I suggest that in marriage, cows are gonna drop. Uninvited, unwanted, and unexpected. Many causing heavy damage. Some of you have already experienced them. You know them by the names financial difficulties, rebellious teenagers, infertility, illnesses, or pandemic. And if you haven't, I guarantee you they are lining up on the cliff and you won't see it falling or know what happens until you're stopped in your tracks. The truth is, God designed your marriage to withstand the heavy damage caused by base jumping bovines. He promised he'd never leave us nor forsake us. So next time a cow drops unexpectedly into your world, absorb the hits, survey the damage, and then together. Mistake.
5: What it really comes down to is this, is am I abiding in Christ? Am I setting my mind on things above? Am I running to him to give me the grace so that I can run in life? Because if not, I'm going to ask her to be my Messiah. My wife is incredible, but she's not a Messiah. She's not a savior. And if I expected her to be a savior, she would be crushed under that weight. So it's vital that my communion and union with Jesus influences me. Pressure is external. God wants to transform us internally. And so if we're walking with the Lord in response to his grace, the pressure can actually move us deeper into His grace. Whenever we face trials, I've got an underlining principle that I always try to remember. And that is, uh, the purpose of your marriage must be greater than the pain in your marriage. So whenever we experience, whether it's outside forces coming in or turbulence on the inside, we always come back to, God, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to teach us? What is the spiritual goal of this trial? Because the Bible tells us that the only reason He allows it is for our maturity.
4: I mean, Romans eight is true. God is for you. Like He's for you. He's for your marriage. He is not for the destruction of your marriage. He's not for uh, the constant sadness in your marriage. His goal is not our problem. His goal is not our happiness primarily. But I mean, He wants us to be unhappy. God wants joy. He wants you to probably find it in places that you're not looking for it in Him. Um, but I find a lot of comfort when God is like, "This battle is no different than any other spiritual battle. I'm for you."
11: There were two times in our marriage where we said, I see how people get divorced. And around the time our son was born, I remember we had that conversation. It's like, we're probably not going to go anywhere, but I can definitely see how people leave one another.
4: We had our first child, our daughter. She was very on time with everything, everything fell in line as far as when she was to develop. And then, um We had Zakai, and um, he was a beautiful child, and I was excited, I was ecstatic, and we took him to the pediatrician, and we were telling her the things that we were seeing.
11: Certain idyllic secrecies and behaviors that he would demonstrate. I started to make these connections. Then a couple months, maybe a year and a half later, we decided to get an actual diagnosis, and we didn't get that conclusion and that result we wanted. The weight of having a kid of autism does something to you socially and psychologically because you begin to feel deficient in some sort of way. And when you feel deficient, it's hard to
4: give um you know proper love unto someone else. My guilt spilled over to frustration with my husband because I he was frustrated because we were both young. We had tension between us, like love wasn't good, marriage wasn't good, life wasn't good. We were just there because we had made a commitment.
11: And it took about five years for me to convince my wife to even think about having
4: another child. I relented and we decided to have another child. Zimmer came along, he was a beautiful child. He was doing everything he was supposed to be doing. He was like, yes, we did. But then the signs started happening and I was like, you wouldn't do this to me, God. When our second son was diagnosed,
11: I think we were, we were a little bit more prepared for the reality of it. We can truly say, like, Lord, if we have another child on the spectrum, this time we know we can really like weather the storm, if you will. The Lord is going to give us perseverance that's going to produce real faith.
4: And so at first I was frustrated. But when he turned seven, all of a sudden he could read. So he was learning the whole time. And now he's a caretaker for Zakai. So he does exactly what I need him to do. It's just the end way I expected. I often talk about having this
11: people who approach God with this contractual kind of agreement. Like, here, Lord, I want this, I want that, I want this, please sign off on it. You know, I wanted this perfect marriage, I wanted a perfect job, perfect friendships, and you know, perfect children. And Lord, sign up for that, please. And then he rips that contract up and he gives you this blank sheet and say, no, I need you to sign up for whatever I present to you in life.
4: So we are a better couple um, today because of the challenges we have that we face as parents that have children with autism. Once we made that decision, that regardless of what the trenches in our marriage look like, we will stay in those trenches together and we will get out of them. And I want people who are facing the same struggles that we're facing to know that you can be beautiful together. And, but you have to fight. You have to fight. And-
11: provides us with a space that we don't have to go with life alone. And this journey is one that we're together on. And there's also the unmet expectations of life throwing a curveball in our ways. And the the health at the end of the day is driven by the fact that there's a security here.
9: One of the ways I feel like we've cleaved is um, nobody gets in between this. And that is a spiritual practice. It is um, walking by faith. It's if I have a problem with him, it's my responsibility to go to him, and, and lovingly and respectfully, and say, um, "I need to share kind of what's on my heart." And so there are practices that you have to do in a marriage to make sure that you're honoring that you are literally you're cleaving together. I'm
3: not cleaving to my girlfriend. I'm cleaving to him. When we face struggles, it's easy for me to take my pain and my fear and my anger and place it on the person closest to me. But Paul reminds us in Ephesians 6 For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. There is a real enemy, and it is not our spouse. Secondly, we need to be intentional about evaluating the season we're in. For us to make space to stick and to cling to one another, we need to consider, does something need to be adjusted? How can we become more creative and find time to be together? Finally, we need to be intentional to keep investing in each other no matter what season we're in. A simple way to do this is to practice calendaring our companionship. What that looks like is once a week, just check in. And at least once a month, do a fun date night. And then once a year, try and get away with just the two of us. We don't do this perfectly, but it's helpful to have a framework of being intentional.
5: A marriage is like a garden. It has to be nurtured. The weeds have gotta be pulled up immediately. You gotta water it and all types of
10: stuff. Yeah,
9: Yeah. and I think it's important that we recognize that um, maybe going to a marriage conference or getting um, therapy as a couple, or that that's not actually weakness. Um, because I mean, we always say the grass is greener where it's watered. And so I'm not sure why we enter into marriage thinking or having this expectation that we should already know what to do. I have never
7: met a couple who persevered through the hard times of marriage, got to the other side and said, you know, I wish I'd thrown in the towel. But I've met tons of couples who have, who have said, It was hard, and I wanted to quit, but we didn't. And I'm so glad we didn't. And I know in the midst of pain, that's hard to see. And you give up hope, and you think, I've tried everything I know to do. There are people who can help you. There are resources. God will meet you in this time, and will get you through it to the other side if you just don't quit. Love never gives up, never runs out, never fails.
10: so me how...
2: committing our lives to Christ and following him for all of these years has been worth it. And um, I'm I'm absolutely 100% convinced our marriage is healthy, um, it's alive, it's growing um, because of the gospel, because of what Jesus Christ has done in both of our lives. And I'm equally convinced that were it not for that, that we would absolutely be divorced because we're both selfish, we're both sinful. Following after Jesus Christ has been rich and amazing beyond anything that we could have imagined. And it's because when we follow Christ, He guides us into those plans that He has for us.
7: Marriage is gonna be harder than you think, and it's gonna be sweeter than you think, but it's it's so worth it to, to press into it and to invest in it and to make it what it needs to be rather than just to treat it casually and hope it works out. I mean, invest, be intentional about this, be, be purposeful to build into your marriage. When you do, what you get is something unbelievable.
5: You have to make the investment. Yes. We invest in all types of things. Invest in your marriage. It is the best investment you can make. It's going to pay eternal dividends
0: all right remember last week the I can't remember all the goals or all the strategy but uh, steps for success let's see if I haven't written down here we to be vulnerable I know that was one Commit to the journey and focus on you and not your spouse. When we're talking about things here, uh, don't throw your spouse under the bus. I have a question here that's probably the most challenging question yet. Um, But before that, before I ask the question, remember when when we're sharing and when we go home and talk about these things, let's be patient with each other. Before I ask the question, does anybody... Did anybody go home and have any enlightening conversation based on week one that they would like to share? Heather, did we have any of those? Did we ever have any enlightening conversations? We do. I'm just kidding. I can't think of anything based on the study that we talked about. <clears> Off <throat> Well, let's get right into the hard question then. Okay, so uh, I like what they said about the magnifying glass. When a man and a woman, I don't like what they said, but it was a good point. When a man and a woman unite in marriage, things are never perfect. A perfect marriage is impossible because we are imperfect. Often our personal problems or tendencies or sin is magnified when we get married. So tough question number one. How has marriage brought to light your own, not your spouse's, imperfections? How has marriage brought to light your own imperfections? I think just practically, like just living living with somebody. You know, I I was twenty two. I never lived alone. I never got the opportunity to live alone. I went from home to uh, college, where I had a roommate to. What did I do after college? Got married. And Heather and I, I was 23 or four or something like that. That's pretty young. I mean, maybe not as young as some of y'all got married back in the Stone Age. But uh, but it was young. You, when you're 23, 24, you don't have a lot. You don't have anything. I mean, you're a kid. You think you've got stuff figured out, but you just don't. And so the magnifying glass initially was... Mm-hmm how do we live together and not hit each other with a blunt object you know (laughs) how do we quit being children and start being adults you know not being whiny and selfish about things that must be done and you know we're 10 years removed from that but now the magnifying glass is different it's the way we discipline the the children uh is it brings out things in me it bring you know it's just a constant moving target sort of that magnifying glass that reveals in, you know, for me it's mostly probably lack of patience. Just, uh, this is taking too long. I need to get this done the way I want to get it done. Everybody else just get out of the way while I bulldoze this situation, you know. So, things like that. Anybody, did that help anybody? Did that spur on anybody wanting to answer the question?
13: Well, I remember when we started going together, my mom and dad just had a fit because he, I was Christian, and he wasn't, and I listened to everybody else. Our marriage was not going to last, and that was wrong of me because <coughs> I wouldn't let him do anything with our oldest son, Sean, because of that.
10: I would not allowed a
13: So I, I saw things different because God has always directed my life, and I told my mom that. And he is an example, I guess you would say, about it. My thoughts, my thinking changed when we really became together. And it took four or five years for me to leave my mother and cling to my husband.
6: Yeah, this woman had to put up with a lot because I was raised by my dad from two years old. He was a Marine, okay? Never remarried, so I never saw that relationship that a man and a woman are supposed to have. Mother and father, and have a similar child, so I never saw how siblings get along either. So she had a lot of teaching. A little things. bit of a learning curve,
0: good? a little learning curve there. Yeah.
6: I was an only child, so I had the opposite of you. I had to learn how to live. Yeah, because the only child is so oh. because <laughs> that's all you do. So it was a hard thing to start to realize that it, and it doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's, you're just set in that way where it's been about you forever. And so to learn that it's not, it can't just be like you in, in a household.
0: So as we think about these mm, Things in our life, the magnifying glass things, the things that are exposed in our own personalities. How has God grown you in this area within your marriage? So, as your marriage has progressed, how have you gotten better at not being so selfish? I going to
6: answer the first question, but Go ahead. It goes with the second question,
0: yeah.
6: too. So you realize how bad you are at conflict resolution, especially with the opposite sex. And um, it. I remember we actually dated for four years before we got married. Oh, that was not my choice. Uh, that was her parents' choice. <laughs> actually her parents wanted six years, but anyway. Um, we were very young, but I remember my uncle, I think it was my wedding day, and uh, he just he just had it he gave me one of those you wait, you wait, because I said I said, We haven't we, we've never argued in four years. And uh, he goes, Oh, you wait, you wait And I was like, What are you? <laughs> and uh, uh, here I just didn't realize she held back all of her opinions for four years. So. <laughs> 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 she was letting me thank you for Yeah. You yeah. <laughs> but eventually, <laughs> like, <if you laughs> have no resolution. Any other relationship you have the option to so just separate for as long as you care to, uh, and so you, you know want to resolve that. with right? I don't have that option. And so you got to learn.
10: Mm-hmm.
0: So, did you answer the second part? How's God grown you in in this area of your marriage? Quickly. Yeah.
6: Actually, not, not really
0: that quickly. <laughs> I've learned. Years,
6: I'm not sure how many, how many years it took to, yeah.
0: to learn that. I heard somewhere you talk about conflict resolution. I heard a pastor at some point say, I think it was a pastor, say that arguments in marriage are going to happen, but it should look like a delicate tennis match. Just. <laughs> Instead of slamming things down each other's throat, like when you are in debate about something, it should be gentle and, and kind of, uh, I don't know, I, I don't know how to. Just go to scream at each other. Well, yeah. Yeah. Not like a
8: real
0: yeah, maybe not. Yeah, and just a friendly little back and forth. two
6: different ways of dealing with it. I went silent, and that made her more angry. For what she wanted to talk about and I don't want to
5: talk when
0: I don't want to talk. Yeah, I know.
6: Before I can talk. Yeah.
0: And
6: not not my emotions my
0: I know the feeling.
1: We learned that I told Tammy that early on, you know, something something's happened and you're upset. You don't always know exactly what it is about the situation. And sometimes women want to solve it like right then, you know. And I had to explain to her, let me figure out what the problem is and
8: we'll let's deal with it later. You know? <laughs> because
1: um, you, know, you, you can be aggravated about something, but you don't really know what it is about that situation that really sets you off. I think it takes me a while to examine to see what it really is. Because sometimes you'll sit and you'll argue about all the things that you think are the problem. But if you don't take time to figure out what the problem really is, you'll make each other really upset talking about all that perimeter stuff and never get to the heart of it, you know. So mm-hmm. I think it's good to solve it right now. We'll live and die another day, you know.
0: Uh, so. I've noticed that in our debates, let's call them, uh, <laughs> that I've learned that that most of the time, like you said, whatever the issue at hand is, it's not really sometimes the issue. It's been a long day, so I'm getting, I'm getting frustration from her or vice versa that really, and I'll, I'll say something, Well, oh, this is the problem, and, and it's really not. I'm just tired. I'm worn out, and guess what? Tomorrow's going to be a new day, and we're going to be married until death by, by God's design. We're, so let's just be patient. Let, let the blood pressure go down. And guess what? This issue most likely won't be an issue tomorrow if we choose not to slice each other apart tonight about it, you know? Right. I've noticed that. Like w- one,
1: but one person may remember it
0: tomorrow. Right, that's <laughs> one right. One might speak on it.
13: Can't you uh, on that statement, right? <laughs> yeah, she
8: remembers everything.
13: You know? <laughs> but I
1: really can't plead insanity, or, or I can really say I don't remember it. It's the truth. <laughs> <Okay>. so, <laughs> <Bye-bye>.
0: Selective remembrance.
1: Yeah. so Yeah. Remember what
0: happened. Okay. sometimes. Sorry.
6: It's really hot. You're repeated. You don't say necessarily what you, you say. Like you don't make your tongue. I always, that's one of the reasons. I didn't say much.
8: To
0: keep yourself out of trouble. To keep yourself out of trouble?
6: You can
0: say something really correct. Yeah. yeah Create a lifelong scar. Yeah. They talked about worldly ver- marriage or relationships versus Christian marriage. And the example was given about hookup culture uh, versus conventional relationships. So in our culture, you know, you can... Swipe right on the phone, pick who you want for the week, and then move on. The next week is what they're saying. So, in a world of lust, separation, divorce, etc., how can we Christians model our marriages to the world? How can we model our marriages to the world? Remember last week at the very end, that older couple said something like, "Our marriages—it's a marriage—is a biblical design by God, scripturally between a man and a woman." Coming together and and he made this this guy made the point that people should be able to see Christ in our marriage. If God is at the center of our marriage, how can people see Jesus in us through our marriage? Think about the fruit of the spirit. I talk about all the time. They they
1: should be able to see that's what you said, they should be able to see that on how we treat each other in public and
14: And not just that, but like they were talking about um, in the video is when tough times come and those cows are going to fall, you stick it out. You know, it may get tough, but you don't just, you know, turn tail and run. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, that's the world's thing. It's like, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stay in this relationship as long as it's Good for me. You got all the fuel goods or whatever, and then when when that's over, then I'm out of here.
10: Mm-hmm.
14: I think you know when they see, it, it's like, hey, what do you have that's different? That
6: a couple of the videos said. One couple of the videos said that, was an option. that, that they understood, like they understood how people could good mm-hmm. like in that moment.
0: But when it's not an option the rent, you know, kind of Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've said before that I haven't had many goals in life, but one of them is to never get divorced. Just, and I, even before I was a Christian, I had that mindset. Like, I don't want, I just don't want to fool with it. And no offense to anybody that's been divorced, I just don't none of us get married planning to get divorced yeah, I mean South, any of
14: us want to right
0: yeah but I just thought oh, my gosh let's a day the young people they
14: just think okay unless
6: get divorced, I'm tired of you yeah I mean they don't really think of sanctioned marriage what it really means yeah they don't clue them, that's for sure yeah it's too easy to give up
0: but so many things happen in your in your spiritual walk too like you're you through so many seasons and so many different maturity levels. And all that. So I'm not here to condemn anybody that's been divorced. I just uh, I just don't want it in my own life. <laughs> I don't think Heather feels the same, you know. So the well,
8: no, not and not only well, I can't speak for marriage, but
13: in like any relationship one one guy when the guy said you know, he didn't realize how much his pants' relationship like with his dad still had, you know, affected him until he got into Relationship. And I mean, and that can, you know, not, I guess not only in marriages, but that can also happen in any kind of like relationship with like friends or, you know, with church or something. Or, you know, you don't realize, you think you've given it up to God and, you know, moved on with it, but you still have all that there that it does where its ugly head when, when the fire is stoked.
0: So that Hebrew word was dabach, and it mean, it means to cling together. And the Bible tells us that we are to persist in marriage. It gives us a few outs, but I think God's intention for us is to persist even through the hardest trials. I meant to tell you all, I created all these questions, and if we get to the ones that they come up with, that's fine, but I didn't think it was enough, so I made some. How are you cultivating your relationship during the good seasons in preparations for the droughts of marriage? How are you cultivating your relationship during the good seasons in preparation for the droughts of marriage? And how should you be doing this if you're not doing it? I'm sure we all know things we need to be doing that we aren't doing currently.
1: Well, you don't know when the drought's coming, so you've got to be prepared anytime. <laughs> 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 <That's good. laughs>
0: I like what they. I like what Derwin and his wife said. I think it. I think it was her that said. What'd she say about the grass? The greenest grass is the grass that gets watered. She said. uh, You know, we see therapy or marriage counseling as like a negative thing. We all need marriage counseling, really, and we all need somebody to kind of be a sounding board between the two of us. uh, Because it's not easy.
14: It's not something they teach in school. No. No. I think one thing that helps it and it can imp- apply to your children too but is to make sure that you're putting into your love bank you know because if you're always drawing from it from it and there's nothing there when those droughts come it's like you know but if you've got those things <coughs> built together to keep your love bank up there <coughs> you know <clears throat>
0: I think simply coming to this, uh, committing to this time period of Bible study about marriage, uh, is is huge. We went to a what was that called at Southern Date Night Inn or something. It was a there's a ministry there at Southern Seminary that's just for married students, I think. And we went to this date night thing, and they had a meal, and they had a speaker, a married couple speaking about things and I can't remember what they talked about but that was like three years ago now. But uh, it was good. I remember it was good at the time and it was it was it was just really the first time we've done something like that and it was just impactful. And we haven't done anything like that since then. But what else do we do to cultivate our marriage during the good seasons? I think
10: um, I mean, I mean
1: like, kind of like Tammy and I kind of got, you're trying to find things you can do for the other person that they don't expect just on all day, every day, whatever, you know, you're constantly willing to willing to do for them and then they're willing to do for you and you kind of get in a a real positive cycle. That way, you know, uh, when you'll do something unexpected, then they do something unexpected and you just kind of you flow in that, you know. That's filling the bank up, I
0: guess. When we moved up here and sold the house and all that stuff, and we moved we we finished moving and all that. We went. I'm really, I'm very frugal in certain areas of life, like vacation. I don't like spending money on vacation. But we went. We got a nice hotel room in somewhere, and we went out to eat, and we just hung out all night, just the two of us. And we hadn't done that. I don't know. When the last time we did that was before then, maybe never, I don't know. Yeah, that was good. But they
6: uh, taught me <clears throat> it kind of draws from our last series that we were doing to be intentional, be intentional because it's very easy to go on autopilot, especially.
0: Yeah. How real did that video, the deaf people video, feel to you yeah. all? Just wild. sort of the, you could see like some of the drudgery of everyday life. Like, ah, the dog has pooped in the floor. I want this dog to be gone out of my life. Why did we get this dog? Why, you know, the guy's at work and, and the wife's at home waiting for him to get home, and then he gets home and she's got that mean, mad look on her face. You know, we've all felt all of the things that have happened in that video, and uh, that's that's just not that our, our posture needs to be that well, that's just part of it, that's how it's going to be, but it is, that stuff is real. But they persisted, you know, they grew, they, they, they aged together and, uh, they celebrated their, their 50th anniversary or whatever. But sometimes it's, sometimes life just isn't, it's not always, uh, fun. It's not always the greatest day ever. It's not always, uh, perfect, but, but it's good. Marriage is good. And, uh, we need to, we need to be fo- focusing on cultivating our relationship we did we were reading this we'd never finished it but that devotion we, we have this this marriage devotion book that's that asks some questions and they're pretty challenging questions uh and again i don't i can't remember i didn't look at it before i came here, but that was really helpful so i'd encourage you to maybe do that to do something like that together
14: when um before steve and i got married the church that the baptist church we attended in kansas Um, they require you to go through a certain, I don't remember how many counseling sessions there they were, um, they were very good. The fellow that did ours was, was really, really good. You know, like the whole thing of like when conflict comes up, the person, you know, it's like, there are some people that turtle, you know, he had, they classified how different people react to different things. But one of the really good takeaways that I remember because we've both been married before, um, was he said that statistically the, there are three things that couples do um, that basically, it's not really divorce proof, but you know, they're less likely to get divorced if you do these three things. And it was you know, basically like read your Bible together, pray together, and send church together. And so we've tried to do that. There are times that we're like, hey, we need to get back to, you know, like usually at night we will do a devotion or we'll pray, you know, we take turns praying or whatever. And, and it is, you know, you can tell when it's, you know, you're like, oh, kind of got out of the habit of doing doing this or that. But it's, it does, I mean, it, it does help keep you close. And that's one of those intentional things that helps build your, because if you've been married before there are a lot little more things that come up in that magnifying (laughs) glass so you gotta deal with past there's like i forget what they call it but there's a like hypothalamus or something something at the base of your brain that runs everything everything you hear everything you experience through past experience and so it uh, you know so sometimes it's hard to put that aside and realize no, this is, this is not that person.
10: Mm-hmm.
14: But, but it has helped us.
1: And you know that coming to church. I mean this this relates to just personally coming to. When you you've got things going on and you're upset about it or whatever. How many times have you come to church and with a bad attitude coming in the door, baby? And but God speaks to you, and and that and it, and. It, changes your thought pattern that you'll, you'll, the anger will go away and you'll you'll, you'll speak compassion to you. You'll, you'll get a different perspective on whatever it was that's been going on. And it can be with the spouse, you know. And it, it kind of, a lot of times, God will speak to you right here and, and change your perspective by the time you're out the door. When people say, well, I can worship, I don't have to come to the church and this and that. Well, you know, the fellowship and, and what God's saying to you while you're sitting here, you know, uh, that changes things. And when you, just like the, that praying together, when you hear your spouse's prayer and their concerns and things, it makes bigger. And even to just hearing each other talk about it here a thing like this, you know, we'll say things here that we won't say to each other probably otherwise, you know. So anytime you get that connection through that sharing, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Just a
14: totally different perspective because even BJ and I are. Different faith traditions, and he has one way of praying, and attends a different church, and and all that than, than I do. You know, with us, a lot of our marriage, we have to we have to rely a lot on compromise. Um, uh, yeah, compromise. Forgiveness isn't really the word I'm looking for, but
1: understand.
14: Yeah, there, there's there's got to be. There's got to be these things that you have in place because I, I, I would guess that probably there's people in this room and people in this church that that aren't able to pray with their spouse or attend church with their spouse. And, you know, you just have to know that even though that's not happening, Jesus still expects you to behave in a Christian-like manner towards that person and still engage Expect you to reflect that. You know, the whole book. I think it's what is it? The the book where the guy has to marry the awful woman. Hager.
0: Yeah. Hagar? yeah. Oh, I, one. I don't. I'm guessing because I don't know.
14: Yeah, it's someone. Like, one. It but but my point is that sometimes that's where that covenant you know really is drawn from is is that commitment you have just as much to God.
15: I think also that um, you know um, to prepare for life
2: challenges in a marriage that everybody runs into throughout their whole life. If you, in the video, they talked about you know that woman, what brought her joy and peace with the Lord to be able to be respectful to her spouse, it was a Daisy. But I think it's easier if you remember, you know, as you prepare to face challenges down the road, if you remember, you know, the husband needs that Daisy as much as the wife does
0: we're running out of time I'm trying to sift through what's how's the best way to end so marriage is going a guy in the video said marriage is going to be harder than you think and it's going to be sweeter than you think treating our marriages casually and hoping that it works out is a horrible plan Yet that's what many of us do. We should be investing in our marriage. So the final question for the night is based on the lesson tonight, how can we begin or continue to invest in our marriage in a way that brings honor and glory to God?
15: Well, I think praying for your spouse is the number one thing. I mean, when you're praying for them, you're focused on them their need
1: is, not what your need is. Trying to pay some of that selfishness in all of this. <laughs>
15: well, I think that's what James said too, intentional. Being intentional and
13: what you do. I think they touched on, uh, on last week on having those expectations. You know, mm-hmm. you've got these expectations <clears throat> of what that person should be, and we try and make them live up to those expectations well they may not that may not be who they are you know you you just got to you know learn to know each other as individuals and not the expectations
15: i think one thing ronnie and i we've talked about is you you if you love that person you're never intentionally going to hurt them i think you have to draw from that even if somebody one says something that is hurtful you have to tell yourself that's not what they don't mean that because if they love you they're not going to hurt you and i think you have to really rely on that because the person you know we all sometimes say things we shouldn't say and, and you have to say no they they may have said that and like you said in the heat in the moment where you go silent so you don't say the things but I think if, if you have to draw from that, that person loves you. They're really never going to hurt you, not intentionally.
1: Somebody mentioned earlier about being busy. I think that you got to be careful of that. You mentioned sports and kids here, this and that. I see that with with our kids. I mean, wow. You know, you're running kids somewhere every day. I mean, don't overcommit with me, my. So you have time for each other. If you overcommit to too much of this stuff, determine what's really valuable. I mean, do kids really need to learn to play soccer at four years old? You know. And so.
0: I know. spring. I'm excited about spring, and I'm like, I don't even know where baseball practice will be. We used to live like a quarter mile from everything because we lived in a town as big as this bottle cap and now I don't even know where we'll go for anything so it's and to get out of Bellevue there's you got to climb a mountain in every direction so I'm just like I mean it's, everything you want is up that hill but you've got to go there to get it you know so I'm like Ah, the kids should, we should just, Paula can give them piano lessons. They don't need baseball.
3: Hey, uh, I'll do piano lessons, you do
15: the baseball thing. I think, too, you brought up a good point. You have to be careful that the kids don't rule the house of what needs to go on. Because then you lose your focus on each other. It needs to be you and your spouse first, then the children.
8: Mm-hmm.
15: And I think we've seen that over the years where, the kids tend to rule the home of what's going on and the parents lose sight of each other in that process. And then when the kids are gone, they look at each other and go, who are you?
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like you see a lot of separation happen after kids are gone because people build their entire, instead of Christ being at the center, the kids are God in the marriage, sort of, and then when the children are gone is...
15: Right now, the largest number of divorced people in church and out of church I've
1: been married over 30 years. The kids will divide and conquer too. On that discipline
0: note. Does anybody else have anything they want to share before we close out of here? I didn't even get to to the design questions or the questions they gave me. Anyway, so remember, we are to the, debak the, the means to cling together. So we are together in this marriage and God is at the center. And the, the beauty of the church is that if we are saved and say Heather and I have having, having issues, we should be able to go to somebody and say, hey, look, this is what we're going through. Have you been through a time like this? What did you do to get through it? Um, find people that you trust. You don't need to tell everybody everything all the time, but you need as Christians, as church family, we need to, to, to have resources here to help one another. Hey, this is going on. We don't want this to go on. What do we do to get out of this mess? What? Please help at least pray for us, you know, and all this stuff should remain confidential among uh, one another. So that's the beauty of the church. That's why when you say, the mountain is my church. Well, can you tell your marriage problem to the mountain? No, but you can tell your marriage problems or issues or concerns or praises to each other in the church. That's the beauty of the church. So I get annoyed when I hear that. I, don't, I haven't heard it in a long time, but I have definitely heard it before. And I'm like, yeah, you've got it all figured out. Anyways, that's another Bible study for another night, I guess. But does anybody have anything else they want to say before we head out of here? Mr. Ron Randall, I'm glad to have you back. Would you pray us out of here tonight?
6: Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to thank you for the blessing it's been here to be here tonight and for the video and the discussion, Lord just makes us all stop and think uh not to take our spouses for granted, not to get in the rut, Lord, just appreciate respect them and love them. Just give us wisdom to do just that. And as we leave here tonight, Lord, just be with us the rest of the week and be expected to your house Sunday, we pray in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. 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 Thank you, Sarah.